0: For all you listeners out there that
1: are menstruating, if you cannot have all your meetings on the last day of your cycle or the first day of your cycle, meaning the last day before you get your period or the first day of your period, it's the best thing you can do because your body isn't wired at that time to be on it and articulate. It's an it's a internal yin moment
0: and your whole month will go better if you just honor that. <laughs> You're listening to Make Some Noise podcast, episode number four hundred, with guest Jen Rasiapi. Welcome to Make Some Noise podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you're here. And if you are someone who listens to this show in real time, in other words, the day that it comes out, then you're in luck because tomorrow, August 5th, Thursday, I have a free webinar that I'm doing. haven't done one of these in a long time, and it is for anyone who has pre-ordered my new book that comes out at the end of August make some noise. It's one of the many pre-order bonuses that I have that we're offering. And just head on over to andreaowen.com slash noise. All the information is over there. This particular webinar is live, but if you can't make it, no worries, there will be a recording. It's all about self-confidence. And I'm talking about some research, but it's not boring, I promise. I'm talking about how, how, how do we create more self-confidence? Do, does it just appear one day? Is it – do we just hang out with people who are confident? No. I'm going to tell you how. I have a method called the TSA method that I'm going to be going over and teaching you at that webinar. Again, andreaowen.com slash noise. I hope to see you there. It's going to be intimate. You can interact with me. I cannot wait to see you. And speaking of making some noise, starting next week, I have a special series I have hand-selected seven amazing women who I, through knowing them personally as a colleague or, or a friend, or just watching them online and sort of plucked them out of the online social media space, have watched them make some noise in their life in different areas. And I wanted to interview them and specifically ask, how? How do you do it? How do you take up space in the world without you know, questioning everything. How do you get past the conditioning and socialization that we've all received as girls and women to be a certain way? How do you do that? How did you do it? I wanted to know. Those are the questions that I asked them. And it starts next week with Susan Hyatt is coming on the show. And I can't wait for you to listen to this series. It's all building momentum and in celebration of Make Some Noise that comes out on August 31st. I want to mention this as well. I mentioned it several podcast episodes back, but it's worth repeating. The reason that authors – y'all know I like to be transparent. I'm just going to tell you the truth. The reason that authors put so much energy into book bonuses and begging and pleading and asking people to pre-order their book is because of this – there is really no other metric that can predict a book's success like pre-orders. So publishers are watching that number very closely and especially retailers are looking at that number very closely. So if I want my book to be in Target, if I want it to be in more bookstores, if I want it to be in airports, then you have to reach a certain number that very first week that the book comes out. So any any pre-order, whether you purchased it back when I announced it was available for pre-order, I think in in May. Yeah, that's when it was available in May. Up until the very first week that it comes out, that first week of September, because it it actually – pub date is what we call it. It's August 31st. That number is going to be considered what was sold the first week the book came out. And again, that is a very important number. Personally, I loathe metrics. Like I hate that so much is writing on things like that. Oh, I hate when things have to be measured because it's if it's a lot, then it's scary. If it's not enough, it's also scary. <sighs> I know I should be better about actually looking at these numbers, but i let I let my team do that and just do what I do best. All that to say, it helps so much. I know sometimes we're like, I'll get around to it i'll I'll buy it when when the book comes out or you know. In a couple months from now, when the kids go back to school. So if that's you, I just want you to know the reason that we, that we beg and plead for, for pre orders and why there's so much emphasis put on it. So I would be so incredibly grateful if you come to this podcast and I have entertained you ever, if I have made you laugh, if I have taught you anything, if you have learned from any of the guests that have come here, I would so appreciate if you pre ordered a copy of Make Some Noise. I can't wait for you to read this book truly. Every book has its own sort of story personally of how it it comes to life. This book, as I've mentioned, has some very personal gut-wrenching stories and anecdotes for me, and I felt like it was necessary. This is a little bit of a deeper topic than my other ones. I don't know writing about shame in my last book was kind of a big deal. (laughs) But yeah, this one, it's a whole new category. And I I can't wait for you to read it. I hope you love it. And just thank you for being a part of this community. I can't thank you enough. I can't. I can't. I'm so incredibly grateful for you. Okay. Jen Rassiapi is here. She and I have been online friends for a long time. We Spoke at Soul Camp in 2015 together. We met in real life then, and I am finally getting around to having her on the show. I love the work that she does. It's so incredibly fascinating. And for those of you that don't know who she is, let me tell you a little bit about her. Jen Rassiapi is a certified Duke integrative medicine health coach, a holistic health counselor, a positive psychology coach, and an astrologer. Since 2017, Rassiapi has written Well and Good's weekly cosmic health column. Her work has been featured in Cosmopolitan Magazine, Mind Body Green, Forbes, Business Insider, The Numius, Netflix Family, and Aerie. Her first book, Cosmic Health, was released in January 2021. So without further ado, here is Jen. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's such an honor. I'm really excited. I want to start by asking you about. Well, okay, so I was I was on your website and I was reading about You know, you're about page, and Mm -hmm. you had something that happened to you health wise when you were very young. I was eating chocolate covered almonds, and I literally like one fell out of my mouth. I was like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. something that happened to you when you were very young. So, can we start there and you tell us? And I have no idea if that's what brought you into the work that you do now, but can you give us a little history?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, it absolutely brought me into the work I do now. When Mm -hmm. I was a teenager, I had uh, really difficult periods, menstrual cycles, totally dysfunctional. Um, spent much of my teenage, like high school years in and out of gynecologist office, just trying to find answers, just looking for like, what, what could make my periods regular and sound and, and me not feel depressed and, and in so much pain, cause they were really horrific. And I was just always told like, Hey, you're a normal teenager. Here's the pill. You know, this will help you out. Here's an antidepressant that will help you out. Um, And then it was maybe six weeks after I graduated high school that I was like, I fell to the floor in the most horrific pain and ended up crawling myself to the phone because I was there by myself to get an ambulance to go to the hospital. And I had a tumor the size of a bowling ball erupted in my left ovary that needed to be immediately removed, which then um, had a pathology report come back that said it was stage one ovarian cancer. And I went through many uh, tests and surgeries and exploratory surgeries and repath. And they basically came back to me and said, actually, this isn't really ovarian cancer. This is something that's mimicking cancer. We're going to watch it. Um, you know, go back on the pill
0: and off to college you go. And so, so- they left the tumor in there. Or did oh, no, no. They, no, they it had,
1: it had removed removed the, the, t- the. So I had um, my left ovary fallopian tube removed with the tumor. Okay. They did lots of exploratory surgeries to found that there was, like, nothing that spread, and what came up on the pathology report didn't warrant chemo, essentially. Okay. And so that was, like, actually, it was July 22nd, uh, 1997, and then I was in college by September of
0: 1997. Oh, my
1: gosh. Okay. (laughs) And just – Back on the pill, back on like antidepressants or whatever Pill's it was. Pill's just going to solve all of our problems, right? <laughs> you know, and I was like, this, and I was traumatized like that because yeah. I had already had so many, you know, body issues and period issues and, and the whole thing was just totally traumatizing for me. So I went to college and I was kind of, you know, I was fine, but not really great. And sort of just like getting through the year, but I wasn't happy and um, I really wasn't happy. I was like kind of depressed and just not feeling great. So I had made plans to transfer colleges. Cause I thought being in a different state, being in a different school would really help me. And I was, you know, had made it through the summer prior to this transfer. And it was like literally two to three weeks before I was like, you know, heading off to this new school, which was going to be a whole fresh start for me. Um, and I had like a routine doctor's appointment. They were very routine. Cause they were watching me pretty closely at that time. And they found something suspicious, did the biopsy, sent it off. And, you know, for me, I wasn't really expecting much because, I don't know, I was at the doctor all the time with getting things probed and wands and scepters, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like, whatever, it's going to come back fine. And it didn't. It came back as an aggressive endometrial cancer that required immediate – immediate, immediate, immediate response and intervention. So that led to having had a radical hysterectomy, um, in August of two or 1998, mm-hmm. so you were um, 20 at that point. No, I was, I think I was ni- 19, 19. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So it was 19. Uh, I, cause I had the problem with the ovary and there was the potential for ovarian cancer. That was just like very curious to them. They were like, yeah, we got to take out this other ovary, as well which for anyone is a really big deal to not have ovaries right. um because our ovaries are aside from the fertility function um produce our hormones and so when we don't have functioning ovaries we don't have the you know anywhere in our body to generate the right amounts of predominantly estrogen though there's a, a mix of things that are happening there yeah, not really prepared for that. No one really told me about it. It was more like, "Well, do you plan on having kids?" That sort of conversation. And meanwhile, I'm a teenager, so I don't know. It was the '90s. They couldn't mm-hmm. freeze eggs at that time. It was right. before egg freezing was an option. So the primary conversation with my doctors was essentially like, "How do you feel about not having kids?" Because you're basically going to surrender your ability to have kids, but stay alive. And I didn't really have much time to decide. And you know, there was a, a lot happening in a really short period of time you know, based on best opinions, et cetera. And, and really this fact that I wanted to live and it seemed pretty threatening if I didn't, I had my additional ovary removed as well as my uterus cervix, um, right fallopian tube. Yeah. That, and they took out my appendix too, for good measure.
0: Just for free. another Oh my gosh. So that sends you into menopause, correct? Yeah. As a teenager. Yeah.
1: So it was a, what they call parachute menopause, where you just immediately landed into menopause. And um, menopause is a thing, man. It's a mm-hmm. thing. And it was particularly a thing for a teenager who never really actually even had a healthy, regular menstrual cycle. So after I had had that surgery, things just got friggin' weird. Mm. So weird, hot flash, weird, cognitive. I mean, I was disassociating. I was having a hard time reading and writing. I was having a hard time articulating thoughts. And then panic attacks set in because yeah. I I couldn't keep up with my schoolwork. I couldn't socialize. And then and they just kept getting weird. And I was on this like downward slope of weird for a pretty pretty maybe like nine or ten months. And I just realized, that I was going to have to tear down my life and build it back up. I took a leave of absence from college. I financially emancipated myself from my family, and I moved to California to restart my life. And, you know, I mean, it's just funny because now it's like, if I had that kind of a health crisis, I'd be Googling answers. Right. Reading, you know, but Mm -hmm. in the 90s, that didn't exist. There were no wellness blogs. There were no wellness influencers. Social media Mm -hmm. hadn't existed. There was no community. Um, So I just went searching for like, what the hell went wrong with my body and what is going wrong with my body now? Why can't I breathe? Why am I freaking out with like crazy sweat attacks? What is all this? Yeah. And that eventually led me to figuring out that the moon's rhythm mirrors the menstrual rhythm. And that if I could just start to start, honoring the moon. It sounds so strange. I might be able to get a handle on this like yeah. very dysfunctional biological response to not having ovaries.
0: Okay. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions. I don't even know which direction I want to go in. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use Earnin for anything you need to: therapy visits, rent, or even extra self help books. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, "When I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind." I, I think I want to start with that last thing that you talked about because, and it sounds like there were a lot of other things at play. You know, with your family, you know, in your personal life, it wasn't just your physical body that was really struggling. There were a lot of other issues. You were so young and mm-hmm. moving, and t- and just uh, just your whole future gets sort of like thrown in your face, and you have to make very grown up decisions that you just probably aren't prepared for, and. How in the world like did you have a divine like download was there a book that just fell from the sky like how how do you land on that about the moon yeah Did Um, you have an interest before, or was it brand new? Oh, God,
1: no. I mean, yeah, you have to picture me as like, you know, I read horoscope books, and I was like really into, what were they, like animal cards or like tarot cards with animal pictures on it, like that sort of thing. And like, you know, I mean, I was curious, but really I was was basically a very tomboy surfer, skater, snowboard girl who Mm. was... Very disconnected in all ways. Um, So what happened was, is that I was just really obedient, really obedient to whatever brought me joy. Um, Like that was basically how I navigated that time. And I had moved to Lake Tahoe from San Diego uh, to teach ski lessons and snowboard. So that was like a good winter, you know, like it kept me occupied, gave me yeah, something to focus on. <laughs> it was super fun. At that point, I was like twenty-one, so you know, being a snow snowboarder and ski instructor in Lake Tahoe when you're twenty-one, it's not not really that bad of a gig. Mm-hmm. But it was the end of the season. It was actually the middle of summer, and I didn't know what I was going to do. Like I had to figure out college. I had all these college acceptance letters, and I just was lost. I had no idea where to go or what to do. And so I st- stumbled into like a. Ter- um, a metaphysical bookstore and there was a tarot tarot reader there and I was like, well, I guess I'll get my cards read. And she just like laid it out for me. She's like, hey, here's this deal. You've been through like this hell with your health. You might have something else in your life that looks like that again. As a matter of fact it looks dire. It's
0: like, this is what she says to me. I'm like, fuck. Oh my God.
1: And then she's like, but there's this whole other path here for you. That's really interesting. She's like, you gotta like, move forward with your life, find some new direction, do what you really want to do. And it's going to be okay. And I was like, well, that sounds like, you know, are you going to sell me something now? $900 and you'll
0: take away the bed. <laughs> you know, like where are we going with this lady? <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: But what she threw down after that was, you have to start working with the moon. And I was just like, you know, it's like, we're moon, rr, rr. Like, like, what's become an astronaut. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had no, literally no idea. And, um, but she said enough to me that like made sense. And she said to me, she's like, I want you to just like, you know, let's do another session, but I don't want you to come back until you know what you want to do. You know, like, what do you want to do? Because until you know what you want, you're really just a bit lost. Um, And I was just like, Oh God. So she challenged me Mm -hmm. and it turns out she, you know, the story is like that she basically saved my life and she was really amazing. And I think she like, I don't know if she's on the planet anymore because I can't find her, but she was the type of person who like never went to a, she was in San Francisco once, you know, and she lived on like the West shore of Lake Tahoe and like this, like house that was like, who lives here? Fairies. Mm-hmm. And then other than that um, spent time living with the Hopi Indians, American Indians, Native Americans, you know, she was just this person that lived her own way and was de- like, really one of the only truly spiritual people I think I've ever met in my own, whole life. No frills, just to the bone truth Uh, in all dimensions of her lifestyle. Um, Like so psychically open, she couldn't really even be in the city. So uh, anyway, she's like, you got to go figure out what it is you want to do. And once you figure that out, you can come back and we'll like talk more. And I ended up walking across the street from that store into the Tahoe City Library. And I pulled out like a book on colleges And I just kind of opened it up and I went to San Francisco State University, which I had already applied to and been accepted. Like I had a number of college acceptance. San Francisco State University was not at all on my radar. It was like, yeah, wasn't at all one of my top Mm -hmm. choices. But I opened the book up and I just like went right to like a creative writing program. And I was like, this is really what I want. Like, cause I was wrote a lot, you know, like that's, but I was going to school for all these complicated things and thought I was going to become a lawyer. And anyway, so there was like this, like straight to the heart truth in that. I'm like, is that possible? Could I go to school and just do what I want and write? And like, I researched the school, I researched the program. It was actually one of their strongest programs. It was a great program. I'd already had a college acceptance there and it was like basically going to be almost free. Cause I was a college, California state resident, Mm-hmm. Like the scene feels weird, so I sat with it, and I'm like, I think I want to like move to San Francisco, but like it was 2001, and there was a big dot com boom happening. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I don't really know how I'd live there because there's people making like multiple six figures couch surfing, and I like make eight seventy five an hour, mm-hmm. you know, like, <laughs> you know, it, it was kind of a problem. So anyway, I went back to her and I was like, I think I know what I want to do. I want to move to San Francisco and I want to pursue this writing path. And but like, I don't know how I'd live there or like how this would all really all come together. And then that's where she's like, okay, well, we're going to teach you this thing about working with the moon's phases and like, you know, making making magic. And you're like, you know, and I was just like, what the fuck is this woman talking about? But she had spoken enough truth to me. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll explore this a little bit more with her. And I ended up going to her house and doing some, some work with her. And things just started, like, opening up and clicking. And it turns out I got an apartment in San Francisco for, like, $400 a month. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a roommate situation. It was really close to college. like it, And it was, like, three, four blocks from the beach, which at the time was, like, not where you want to be in San Francisco because it's foggy and 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 weird. But for me, it was, like – I love fog and I love weird and I love the
0: ocean.
1: <laughs> I was like, whoa, wait, I live right so close to the beach. Like, this is awesome. And I went and I went to San Francisco State and uh, she mentored me for a few years after that. Um, but the moon kept coming back up. So then I started working with an Ayurvedic practitioner who did my Vedic char. And he was like, you got to work with the
0: moon. It was, it just became this thing. Just all things pointing towards working with the moon. Well, in two thousand one, that was twenty years ago, and I think now people are a little bit more open to the topic. But I feel like back then, people might have looked at you like you had two heads. Like, what are you going to yoga about? was weird back then, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember. I remember because you also teach about circadian. What is it called? Circadian method or rhythm? Circadian rhythms. Thank you. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah this is not my wheelhouse but i'm fascinated by it and just you know kind of like monthly and annual and maybe like seasonal rhythms can you give us kind of like the 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 crash course on that
1: all right so it's it's um biological rhythms and there's a field called chronobiology that's really um hip to studying these things and has really taken off in recent years because of a nobel award on research on the circadian rhythm, but the circadian rhythm is our 24 hour rhythm. And it's like, we wake up in the morning and our melatonin decreases, our cortisol rises, we get some energy. And, um, and then in the evening things reverse and we wind down, right? Like essentially that's the most, basic bottom Mm -hmm. line, almost elementary description of what the circadian rhythm is. When we synchronize with light dart cycles, it works best. So our circadian rhythm is run on an endogenous clock inside of us, meaning there's a clock that has this wake sleep pattern that goes, it does it on its own, right? Like, so if you are someone who, who as a shift worker, right? And you work in the night, your circadian rhythm will adjust to your sleep cycles. It doesn't absolutely have to be synchronized with light and dark dictated by rising and setting of the sun, but when it is, it works best, right? Mm -hmm. So our circadian rhythm is our daily rhythm and it synchronizes with the earth's rotation on its axis, its daily rotation on its axis. And, you know, we evolved as a species on an earth, that rotates daily. And so our adaptations have formed in response to these basic geophysical cycles that guide earth, right? We have them in our biology. So that's one of our cycles. We have another cycle called the circa annual rhythm, which is Um, When we think about what the earth is doing every day, it's rotating, but it's also orbiting the sun. And so we have this annual orbit we do around this, the sun, and, you know, it gives us different experiences of what it means to be here on earth based on where we are in the orbital pattern around the sun, AKA seasons. And so we have a natural adaptation to the fluctuations of light and dark, warm and cold, um what's available in our local environment based on food, lifestyle adaptations that follow seasonal cycles. So that's our annual rhythm, but there's one more rhythm. And this is the rhythm I really needed to heal because I, you know, obviously had my whole gynecological situation blow up and it's the circa monthly or the cir- circa lunar rhythm, which is a monthly rhythm that is, has a waxing and a waning, right? So women who are in their healthy reproductive cycles have this experience through their period, right? Generally once a month you'll ovulate, generally once a month you'll menstruate. And then there's a follicular phase, which is the period between Um, menstruation and ovulation, where your hormones are preparing for your body to potentially get pregnant. And then there's the luteal phase between ovulation and your period on the backside. Whereas if you don't get pregnant, your body sheds the uterine lining, gets ready to shed the uterine lining and restart the whole cycle again. Happens anywhere, you know, I mean, cycle lengths for menstrual cycles are, are, there's a, you know, it could be 21 days, it could be 35 days, that's still in the realm of health. But generally speaking, the average is about 29, 30, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's it's similar to the length of the moon. So there's a lot of scientific debate right now over whether we as humans have an endogenous clock that developed as an adaptation to the moon's rhythmic cycle in the way that we have an endogenous clock that developed in it as an adaptation to the daily cycle or the yearly cycle, though the yearly cycle actually, I don't believe is endogenous. so I, I hold my breath there. But the circa lunar um, clock is is under scientific debate in humans. But we know that animals, particularly fish, marine life, um, lots of the plant kingdom, actually have an endogenous clock that works in synchrony with the moon. And we live on a planet that where so much of life on this planet is proven to be responsive to the fluctuations of the moon throughout the the month. And so based on my own work, which is synchronizing my my life to the phases of the moon in absence of a period, and having taught this to thousands and thousands of people over the years, I'm pretty friggin convinced that whether we have an endogenous clock or not, it doesn't frigging matter because <laughs> we do like we cycle with the moon basically
0: on some level. People who menstruate have had the experience of feeling either, you know, very aroused during ovulation or very, very tired either right before their period or during, I mean, I started actually, and I'm lucky enough to have a job where I can do this. I recently started blocking off time in my calendar when I know that my period is coming because, as a 45 year old woman, I get so tired the first and second day of my period. I can barely like. It happened because I had like four of these interviews in a day, and it was the first day of my period one month, and I was like, "Never again!" I can't. I can't even stay awake, and it's not fair to my guests. And so I started blocking it out on my calendar. So I, I, I have the experience where yes, this it matters. And oh yeah, it just makes sense. Yeah. If you, for all you listeners out there that are menstruating,
1: if you cannot have all your meetings on the last day of your cycle or the first day of your cycle, meaning the last day before you get your period or the first day of your period, mm. it's the best thing you can do because your body isn't wired at that time to be on it and articulate. It's an it's a t- internal yin moment and your whole month will go better if you just honor that.
0: Yeah, I believe it.
2: What are the kind of struggles that
0: people come to you with when they want to work with you? Like what in the world is somebody typing into Google where they come across Jennifer Rassiope's name and <laughs> your website and they're like, I need to work with her.
1: I rank really high in SEO for like moon rituals, moon ritual magic, okay, that sort of thing. So people come to me like, cause they're like, what's this moon thing? Mm-hmm. You know, it's really caught trend. Honestly, I don't know if people really Google me to find me like in, in a professional capacity. Maybe they do. I think that they Google me and they're like, what is this? And then they stick around and then they get my content or they find me on Instagram. And then they're like, I'd be interested in working with her. What is she up to? I think that they, they, they find me and then they hang out for a while and then they develop a connection to me and they want to work with me. I also have been doing this professionally. I think I went like full fully into this in like 2012 as like a profession, you know, mm-hmm. obviously I'd studied and practice and taught. I've been teaching this since 2001. Like basically I got San Francisco state and I was like, all right, I learned this thing. And like, if you're my friend, you're going to learn it too, you know, like, and then from there it's just snowballed. My, my business has been sold out based on word of mouth recommendations. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm not that great at business, <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> but I'm great at moon cycles. <laughs>
1: But I am a business coach, but I mean, in my own business, like I, it's just like, I, I just kind of have, uh, I've been at full capacity since day one and I don't know what I did to make that happen or Mm -hmm. how it sustains itself other than it just does.
0: Yeah. I bet that tarot card reader lady would know. <laughs> tell, tell us about rituals, and you and you you say that that's an important part of cosmic health. Tell us about that.
1: I mean, we all have rituals, right? Like we brush our teeth,
0: coffee in the morning,
1: mm-hmm. coffee in the morning, walks or talks with friends, and so we only have so much willpower. We actually don't have much willpower. At all. And once we use it up, it's like gone. Um, And so the idea of rituals and rhythmic living is this idea that we entrain ourselves into a habit or a routine that then serves us, right? And so it's like entrainment. And once we entrain... Ourselves to things, it takes no willpower to do it because we brush our teeth. Like when I fall asleep on the couch and don't brush my teeth, that's weird. Yeah, you know, like that's weird. That's a gross feeling in the morning. I don't feel good about myself, and it's like, oh, uh-huh. you know. But I, I don't question that, right? Because I'm trained to do it. And so rituals have many meanings. It can be like we said, like you work out at a certain time in a certain day, or or you brush your teeth at a certain time or a certain day, but. And rituals have a whole other meaning, which is a time to really commune with your spiritual practice. We can entrain that too, right? So the rituals I teach are about honoring the moon's phases and life cycles via the um, the seasons, the monthly rhythms, via the moon. Um, obviously, I've gone really deep. Into astrology, and it's become the essence of my existence. So I do much more complicated cycle watching now via the whole system of astrology. But if we can entrain ourselves to honor the cycles within the month with a spiritual practice that grounds us in our spiritual, intuitive knowing and our desire, it becomes a hell of a lot easier to awaken consistently the part of ourselves that has a little bit more mystical inclination Mm -hmm. and do things
0: our way. So your book is Cosmic Health. And is it for someone like people of our audience who might be more... Uh, just curious about these topics and the phases and astrology and things like that. I'm super proud of the book. I'm super pumped on the book. I spent a lot
1: of time writing it, obviously. Um, and it was a really hard book to write because it's actually like a hybrid. So it's a book on positive psychology and integrative wellness, told through the story of astrology. It's multivalent and it's very layered. And that said, it's very easy for the book to get a uh, techie in a way that wouldn't serve the reader. So the book is written in a way that was actually super challenging in terms of like structure, tone, voice, story that it's meant to read really simply
0: mm-hmm.
1: and also have a ton of meat in there for people who just want to live a healthier life with right. more ease. And that's really who the book is for. The concept of the book is that rhythmicity and cyclical living is the found one of the key pillars to our health. And going back to those three cycles, the circa um, circadian rhythm, circa annual rhythm and circa monthly rhythm, those three cycles are basically the foundation of astrology because mm-hmm. astrology Is really the study of Earth's daily rotation, Earth's yearly orbit, and the moon's cyclical journey around the sun. And then from there, we layer in the planets and how they travel around the sun, according to our view from Earth. And we give it some archetypal meanings and some historical references for what these things mean. And boom, we have a system. But that's basically what astrology is, is the study of cycles and rhythms and how they correlate with our experiences of being here on earth. But anyway, so the book is really for anyone who wants to, to have an easier time being healthy mm. a, for them, right? It's not about a diet. It's not about an exercise routine. It's about understanding who you are, what you want, where you're going and how you're going to get there with the greatest sense of ease by working with and not against the cycles that guide our life and understanding how those cycles live inside of us.
0: I, I, and this might sound so elementary, but I'm going to say it anyway, (laughs) but I got curious about this this topic years ago when i was i was standing on like a i'm from san diego too and i was in carlsbad standing on the cliffs and i was looking out at the vast ocean which i had done many times and thinking to myself how interesting it is that the similarities of salt water and how humans are made up mostly of water and and a lot of salt and how the moon has the power to change the tides like it can pull these massive <laughs> bodies of water every day without fail. And we're supposed to think that we're not connected to that in some way that we're not at one. And I mean, this was a long time ago. I was, Mm -hmm. I was sort of contemplating that, but at the same time I was like, well, that's just weird. That's just woo woo. And so I'm always fascinated with people who do the work that you do because it just, I don't know. I have some kind of inner knowing where, where it's just like, yes, this is all, this is all true. It's, I still don't totally understand it but I believe you. I too have had those moments.
1: (laughs) And it's really interesting because the science actually really doesn't, it sort of debunks this idea that the moon is pulling us in some way that is similar to that, which it does on the ocean. The reason why the, the tides are impacted by the moon and you know we have two tides every day cyclical as well is because of where the moon is in terms of so the earth's rotating the moon's going around the earth, and therefore the moon's on a different side of the earth at different times and there that's why we have high and low tide. We also have spring and neap tide, which spring tide is the tide at new moon and full moon that are stronger tides, whereas neap tides are um, the waxing and waning phases of the moon, particularly the waxing quarter, waning quarter, where there's more of an even balance between them. So we definitely know that the moon and the ocean have this deep relationship, but is that same gravitational pull on the ocean really impacting us? It, we would feel it every time the, the tide shifted, right? We, we would feel it high to low tide, right? And we don't necessarily, like we really aren't tidal in that way. We're cyclical, but not necessarily tidal. And what the science is showing now is that we're light responsive. And so the moon doesn't have light on its own. The moon reflects the sun's light back to us. And we see varying portions of the the moon throughout the month because the moon is going around the earth and the earth is spinning on its axis. And therefore, um, you know, the relationship between the moon and the sun is shifting. So we'll see more of the moon based on its alignment with the sun. And then we'll see less of the moon based on its alignment with the sun. Are you following me so far? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Okay.
0: And I have a basic understanding of that. Very basic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then we come back to this idea that we have these rhythms, right? And so why do we have the circadian rhythm? Why are we responsive to the sun's rise and set in a way that our whole biology has responded to it? from an adaptation standpoint, it's because we're light responsive. We're light responsive. And so at the time of the full moon, the sun and the moon are opposite, which means that the moon's rising while the sun's setting, which means that in the later phases of the waxing cycle, we're really getting the moon rise in the afternoon. And then the sunset is happening at the same time But we're getting moonlight and sunlight for a portion of the day. And then when the sun goes down, we have lots of moonlight. And that's the science. That's what the science is showing now is that we're light responsive. And when we have stronger light during the day in the waxing phases and then more light at night when the moon's full, um, we are getting our – Neuroendocrinology basically is getting flooded with an additional source of light that has an impact on us. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is sort of nascent and to the point of your work. The reason why we don't have really good science on this is because the moon has been has such deep entrenchments with the divine feminine, witchcraft, aspects of Feminine power that have not only been demonized but completely removed from anything that has, um, you know, a science based backing in terms of something of interest. So, biology, um, has mostly been men, mostly been white men, and studying the moon validates witchcraft essentially. I mean, I'm making a jump there, right? Yeah, and, and so we don't really have enough science on it at the bottom of the, at the end of the day. And what's happening now is we're getting a lot more science on it. Why? Because we have a lot more female biologists, who have these same stinking questions that you and I are like, well, mm-hmm. yeah, you're good. It sounds woo-woo. It's not woo-woo. It's endocrine, it's um chronobiology. There's millions and billions of dollars being sunk into research on it. We're behind the eight-ball on research on it because we've predominantly had a male-dominated community running biology since the inception of biology and this stuff goes so deep that including astrology you know it goes so deep in the uh, land
0: of things that well it flies in the face of christianity and
1: yeah christianity patriarchy mm-hmm white supremacy, I mean, all of the Mm -hmm. things. And so it's just, it's poorly researched at the end of the day.
0: I didn't know that. And it makes a whole lot of sense. (laughs) It's interesting to me how many misconceptions there are about witchcraft. Like people hear that word, like you want to see people get uncomfortable. You talk to them about witchcraft. (laughs) I have I have found that to be true. Uh, well, I could talk to you all day. I feel like I have so much to learn from you. And and I know that I would love to have you back on if you're willing to do so. And we are going to drop the link to your book in the show notes. And it's available. Is it available also at bookstores, correct? And on target.com, Amazon, all those places?
1: All the places. All the places. It's available okay. in Canada,
0: Europe, uh, oh, good. Australia, Mexico. Okay, good Lots for all places. of our our listeners who are not here in the United States. Thank you so much. Is there anything you want to say that you feel like you want to circle back on in order to feel complete?
1: Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'll say is that going back to the story of the the woman giving me the tarot reading and like telling me like follow my passion was like a key to health. I just want to highlight and exclamate that point is like, it actually is a really important part of our health. And so, you know, it may feel like this thing that's like, secondary, you know, but I I just want to land it on like centering your pleasure and centering your purpose at the center of your health is essentially what I... what I've learned is like the most foundational thing you can do for yourself. And that's basically like the essence of what cosmic health
0: teaches. And that that's been my experience. That's such a great name for, for anything, but especially for a book, cosmic health. And um, like I said, we'll, we'll drop that in the show notes, Jen, thank you so much for being here mm-hmm. and listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. You know, that I value your time so much. And remember it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye, everyone. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to the show. And I forgot to mention this in the intro, but I wanted to let you know, if you would love to have a signed copy of my book, but you don't ever see me. But you can't come to one of my events. We are doing something new for this go-around with this book, with Make Some Noise that's coming out in August. We're doing something called Book Plates. And basically, it's a sticker that – it's kind of like one of those name tag stickers that says, hello, my name is – and then there's a spot for you to write your name. Except it says, make some noise on it. And then there's a spot for me to personalize and sign it for you. And I will snail mail it to you. So if you – bought a copy, a print copy of my book or even an audio book and you have the workbook, the free workbook. Did I mention that? There's a free workbook. It's all on com slash noise. If you printed out the workbook and you want that to be signed by me and personalized to you – same link, andreaowen.com slash noise. There's a spot for you to fill out your mailing address and I will sign a book plate for you and put your name on it and say a quick little prayer for you and how you can make some noise in your life. And it's just all these gifts. I just want you to have the world. Honestly, those of you that come to this show, I'm like, what can I do to make it more exciting? How can I make personal development more exciting for you and have you know that I'm in your corner, that I am cheering for you, and that I want nothing more for you to be the hero of your own life and for you to make some noise? Sending you so much love, big consensual hugs and kisses to you, and I will see you next week for our series of Make Some Noise.